Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Well, come on, Purpose Church. Let's put our hands together for King Jesus. If you love Jesus, let's make a little noise all across this house. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, man, we just want to say welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being at Purpose Church today. Listen, we're kicking off a brand new series called What If. Everybody across the room shout, What If? Yeah, I love that so much. And we're going to be looking at a few things over the next couple weeks. And here's what I want everybody to do as we start today. Would you just, everybody with me, would you just take a deep breath in? Come on, let's breathe together. And let's just all exhale together. Because here's what I want us to know. We're starting a series that today we're going to be beginning over the next few weeks talking about some things that the church for a long time has been quiet about or we haven't spoken about. And we're just going to be a church that addresses that. We're going to be a church that says, you know what? We know what culture has to say. We know what the questions that a lot of people are asking, even some of you are asking right now. And we're going to do whatever we can to point to the Bible, what God has to say, His answers, the Bible's answers, God's answers to our culture's questions. And so we're going to be looking at that over the next couple weeks. And so again, I want you to understand that we're going to be using truth and grace, right? We're going to be looking through this lens of the fact that we're going to be preaching the Word of God uh, from both the truth side and the grace side. And we are just so excited today. I believe today is going to be so special uh, that today we've got our very own Pastor Kyle Howard is going to be sharing with us on a topic that I just think a lot of us have asked this question before. And I cannot wait to see how the Lord uses him to speak to us today. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Would you just stretch your hands towards heaven? We're going to pray together, and then we're going to invite Kyle up to preset word today. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for that. So come on, let's pray together. God, we honor you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today. God, I pray as Kyle comes and as he shares, God, you would just speak through him, and you would just allow him to share his story and part of his life, what you've been speaking to him. And God, I pray today that we would walk away encouraged. We'd walk away challenged. we walk away more in love with you today, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, while you're still standing, why don't we do this? Can we put our hands together, and can we welcome to the Purpose Church platform, Pastor Kyle Howard. Love amen, you. amen. Amen, amen. Well, first of all, it is an honor to get to speak to you guys today. And, uh, and I just want to take a minute and actually honor our pastor. Um, he and his, and his wife, Allie, and the kids, they're away getting some rest this weekend. Uh, much deserved rest. And so I just want to say publicly, um, just, boy, it is really raining outside. My goodness. Uh, I just want to say publicly how much of an honor it is for us to have him as our pastor. Just he is a man of incredible integrity and character, and him and his wife lead us incredibly well. And so I just want to take some time publicly to just say, uh, to just honor him and to just kind of just show kind of respect where it's deserved. So he will be back the next, uh, next three weeks to kind of continue on this series. And so I want to talk a little bit about this series today. So we're we're in a series called What If. So today, week one, we're talking about what if I want to kill myself? You guys can go ahead and be seated. You don't have to. <laughs> I forgot to have, have you seated. So um, we're talking about uh, today, what if I want to kill myself? What a topic for Labor Day weekend. Uh, next week, we're actually talking about what if I'm addicted to pornography. Week three, we're talking about what if I'm attracted to the same sex. And then week four, we're talking about what if I have had an abortion? 
September is actually our highest attended month here at Purpose Church. So on your way out, we have these little invite cards, these little what-if invite cards. Grab a stack of those, invite friends, invite family, invite coworkers. You don't have to tell them what we're talking about that day. But uh, just, just this, yeah, you don't like, hey, we're talking about this, so come to church. Um, just feel free to just invite as many people as you can. Share our social media stuff on Facebook and Instagram. That's a great way, kind of a non-threatening way to invite people to church. So just feel free to do that uh, this month. It's going to be an awesome, uh, awesome series that we're in. Like I said, September is our highest attended month. So anybody that you invite is going to be uh, in great company. So, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, today, what if I want to kill myself? Some of you have grown up believing that if you struggle with mental or emotional issues, you're a weak person. Some of you have been fed a lie that if you deal with panic attacks or anxious thoughts or just the physical symptoms of anxiety, that you just need to pray more or you just need to give it to God. Some of you have even thought that if you struggle with depression, that you just need to kind of pull yourself together and just snap out of it. Just get out of it. And then some of you, and I believe this is true, have even thought that it would be easier to just end everything than to keep on living. But you haven't told anybody about it. Because in the church and in our society and in our culture, there's kind of a stigma related to that. There's this stigma that says that you're supposed to keep that uh, to yourself. Because especially in the church, that means that you're less spiritual than you should be or that you're further away from God than you should be. So, I want to come right out of the gate at the start of this message and maybe give you some hope and some encouragement right here in the first five minutes that if you struggle with mental illness or anxiety or depression or emotional struggles, if you struggle with any of that, that does not mean that you are a weak person. It does not mean that you're less spiritual than anybody else. It does not mean that you're broken beyond repair, and it does not mean that you're further from God than you should be, or that God has left you, or that he's punishing you, or that he is far from you. What it does mean is that you're in the company of some really good people in the Bible, and we're going to look at who, who some of those people are today. So, Psalm 73, this is King David talking. The Bible uh, says that King David was a man after God's own heart, and he wrote most of the Psalms. Psalm 73, he says, All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. This is the king of Israel talking. Psalm 42, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you at turmoil within me? My tears have been my food day and night. Psalm 6, he says, I am worn out from all of my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping, and I drench my couch with tears. Even Jesus, the night before he was arrested, the Bible says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death. It says, Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat even became like drops of blood. There are some people who would say, some uh, psychiatrists, psychologists that say that Jesus actually had a panic attack in that moment. And then there were people in the Bible who actually killed themselves. Judges chapter 16, it says, Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. King Saul, he was the king of Israel, and he took his own life. 
1 Samuel 31 says, Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come along and abuse me. But the armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and he fell on it. Even Judas, Judas was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and he had been with Jesus for three years. The night that he betrayed Jesus and turned him over to be arrested, the Bible says he went out, he was so overcome by guilt that he went out into a field and he hung himself. So the Bible is not silent about this stuff, but for far too long in the church we have been. And I'm not going to bore you, but I could read statistic after statistic after statistic that says that uh, over the last 50 years, worldwide anxiety, depression, mental illness, suicide have just increased exponentially, and especially in the last two years since the pandemic, and especially among young people. Even our own pastor, Pastor Dustin, has talked about his own struggles uh, with anxiety and depression. He's been super, he calls it hot, honest, open, and transparent. He's been super honest about, about his struggles and, and just the need for him to be on medication and how that's helped him. And, uh, and since I have the opportunity to speak today, I'm just going to kind of come alongside him and just say kind of to you publicly that uh, I'm kind of in that same boat uh, for the last... Um, Really, for the last six years or so, I've been on medicine, anti-anxiety medicine, antidepressant medicine, uh, pretty much every day for the last six years. I have struggled with, with uh, those issues from the time I was a kid, off and on. A lot of that is hereditary. A lot of that is, is stress-related. Uh, but I kind of came to a point in the year 2016, actually it was August of 2016, where I kind of came to a, just a, a season of burnout and, and really almost kind of had a nervous breakdown in a way. And I went to see doctor after doctor and counselor after counselor, and I got on some medicine, and, and that's not the only thing that helped, obviously, but, but it's one thing that helped. And, and by the grace of God and by some techniques that I've learned, uh, I am not in that dark spot that I was in. And I'll be quite honest with you, totally honest with you, that I even thought during that time it would be easier to just end my life than to keep on living. And I don't say that... Uh, I don't say that ashamed of that because I know that a lot of you guys are in here today and you've struggled with the same thing. But just because we don't talk about it in church a lot of times, we, we, we tend to kind of isolate and we tend to not uh, speak that. And so I just want to say publicly that because the Bible talks about it, because it's a problem in our culture, and because we even around Purpose Church, because we deal with it, Purpose Church is not going to be a place where we stigmatize this stuff and we sweep it under the rug and we don't talk about it because people need to hear about it. It's not also going to be a place where we shame you or we shun you. Yeah, you can go ahead. It's not going to be a place where we shame you or shun you or where we treat you as less than or like you're further from God if you deal with this stuff because you're in the same boat that we're in. What Purpose Church will be is a place where we say it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And the reason is because our mission here is to connect people to Jesus and help them live on purpose. And we want to help you live on purpose. So we're going to answer this question today, what if I want to kill myself? So we're just going to jump right in. So we're looking at the story today of a man in the Old Testament named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. His story is in 1 Kings chapter 19. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at what happened with him. Elijah had victory after victory after victory. He had, um, he had seen God do some incredible things. And then he came to this low point in his life, and he thought that it would be better just to die than to keep on living. 
So we're going to pick up his story, and this is 1 Kings chapter 19. It's going to be up on the screen, and we're going to look at what Elijah did. And we're going to pull some things from what he did and what God told him that's going to help us in this struggle. So the Bible says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now, Ahab, King Ahab, was this evil king. He had done more evil in the sight of God than, than pretty much anybody in Scripture up to this point. For, for whatever reason, uh, he kind of wussed out. He gave leadership over to his wife Jezebel, but she wasn't much better. So verse 2 says, Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May, God, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. In other words, Jezebel is telling Elijah, I'm going to kill you. So Elijah was afraid. He, he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Verse 4 says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. How many of you have gotten to the point where you say, I've had enough? He said, Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, let me give you some backstory on this. King Ahab was this evil king, and King Ahab had turned the people's hearts away from God to false gods. God, our God, the true God, raised up Elijah to be a prophet. And Elijah did some things, and, he, and God really worked through him, and he saw uh, victory after victory after victory where he proved that our God, his God, was the true God, and that King Ahab's gods were not gods at all, but that our God was the true God. So many gods in there, it's, it's hard to keep up sometimes. So, uh, one day, this woman Jezebel, who is Ahab's wife, Jezebel comes against him and says, we don't like you, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And he freaks out. He panics. He runs for his life. And this guy that had seen all this miraculous stuff comes down to this really, really low point in his life. He got depressed. He got anxious. And he got to the place where he would rather die than continue living. Now, because God is God, he sends an angel to Elijah to minister to him, and then God speaks to Elijah also a little bit later. So I think we can take some things from what Elijah did that's going to help us deal with some of the mental and emotional struggles that, that we've got going on. So I don't know what your situation is today. I don't know if you're just, you know, a little bit blue or if you are just right in the middle of depression and anxiety, or maybe, and I believe this is true, there are some people that are, that are sitting in this auditorium that maybe last night or even you woke up this morning thinking that it would be better to just end my life than to keep on living. Whatever your situation is, I truly believe that God is going to speak to us through this story in the Old Testament of, of, about Elijah. So we're going to look through Scripture, and we're actually going to pick up in verse 5. And there's three things that Elijah did that I think we can take from his story and that, that we're going to be able to use to help us. So, verse 5, the Bible says, Then he lay down, and he slept under a broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. Now notice what the angel didn't do. There was no sermon there was no guilt, there was no shame, there was no rebuke, there was no, well, Elijah, you just need to pray more. Elijah, you just need to get closer to God. There was none of that. It was Elijah rested, he slept, and the angel told him to eat. The angel basically told Elijah to take care of himself physically. 
So if you're taking notes today, the, th- the first thing that we need to do that Elijah did is, number one, rest and eat. Verse 5 says, the angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on some hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Now, in my own struggles with anxiety and depression over the years, one of the ways that I've learned to manage that burnout is to recognize that I have limits. I have to stop, and I have to rest. I cannot do it all. A counselor told me one time, and and I'm not ashamed to admit that I have been to see counselors, and a lot of our staff has, and I would highly recommend it if you want to get closer to God. Uh, It's a great way to kind of deal with some issues and to overcome some things, and it is a great spiritual practice to do that. But he told me, he said, Kyle, our brains are like computers at times. And so what happens is just like a computer has so many operations going on, if we don't put it to sleep or shut it down, what happens is our brains will freeze up just like a computer will. And when we get to that point of burnout, that's what happens. Our brains freeze up. And I said, well, listen, I, you know, I'm in ministry out there. People depend on me. Sundays have this way where they just they come every seven days. Like you can't stop them. And so I said, I cannot stop. There is no way that I can get off this, ro- this, this roller coaster of, of every single Sunday doing this over and over and over again. And he said, Kyle, you don't understand. Yes, you are in ministry, but the most spiritual thing you can do right now is just to rest and to stop. And I think that's true for some of you. Some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do is rest. In fact, one of the most disobeyed commands of God is to keep the Sabbath, to just stop and to just rest. And some of you may say, like I did, I can't. I've got too much to do. I've got, I, I can't stop. There's no way I can stop. And I believe God would say, it does not matter if the house is dirty. It does not matter if the yard's not mowed. It does not matter if the clothes aren't clean. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to rest. Sometimes the things that your soul needs is just rest. We're going to continue reading in verse 7. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, I'm going to get super, super practical with you here today. The Bible says that Elijah was strengthened by the food that he ate. I'm going to be totally honest. I love a McDonald's double quarter pounder with cheese with no onions, a medium fry, and a large sweet tea. I love that. But I know that if I eat that every single day of the week for weeks on end, I'm not going to feel good. In fact, I'm going to feel pretty garbage. There's another word I was wanting to use, but I'm not going to say it in church. So, so we got to lighten it up. We're talking about suicide. We got to find, find just little gems of, of brief moments of, of laughter in there. So, uh, and, and that's not just feeling, feeling bad physically. That's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of the above. See, there's this physical aspect to anxiety and depression that we don't talk a lot about in church, but it is so, so true. You cannot put junk into your body and then expect to not feel like junk afterwards. So some of you, you are only, in this physical side of things, you may only be one or two lifestyle changes away from being able to climb out of this pit of anxiety and depression and suicide. You may be one to two lifestyle changes away from being able to just kind of 
at least start to climb out of that. And that may be eating better, that may be getting exercise, that may be getting better sleep. But there is a physical aspect that a lot of times we, we don't talk about in church, but literally the Bible does talk about it in this story of Elijah. So, to battle anxiety, depression, and thoughts of suicide, number one, we have to rest and eat. Number two, we have to replace our lies with God's truth. Verse 9, it says, There Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, God already knew what Elijah was doing. We don't, we don't have to wonder that. God is God. He knows. What he wanted to do was he wanted to ask, ask uh, God wanted to ask Elijah so that Elijah would verbalize the thoughts that he was believing so that God could correct him. So look in verse 10. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. That's true. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. That's also true. They've torn down your altars. True. And they've killed every one of your prophets. True. But now I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. That was false. Because if you read on in the story, there were 7,000 other Israelites that had not been killed. They weren't prophets, but they were still Israelites. Elijah was not the only one left. But he said, I am the only one left. I'm the only one who cares. It's no use anymore. I'll never feel better. I'm all alone. I'm a burden on people. Those thoughts that he, were ha- he was having are false, false, false. So what happens is when we're in the middle of anxiety and depression, our minds play tricks on us. And what we have to do is we have to not believe those lies that Satan tells us and that our minds tell us when we're in the middle of that. And I can only imagine what God would say to some of us today when we believe those lies. My marriage can never be healed. Lie. Because the truth is, with God, all things are possible. My kids are never going to come back to Christ. Lie. Because the truth is, with faith as small as a mustard seed, God can move mountains. I got this medical report, and it's not good news, and I'm not going to make it. That's a lie. The truth is, is anything too hard for the Lord? See, so many of us believe these lies. I'm going to be alone the rest of my life. My life life is never going to be any better. I'm in this dead-end job. Nobody loves me. I've got no ministry. Woe is me. I'm not helping anybody. There's no use in carrying on. Those are lies, lies, lies. And what we have to do, just like the Bible says, is we have to take those lies, take every thought captive, the Bible says, and make it obedient to Christ. Here's Christ, here's the thought. We get, it, we get it backwards sometimes. Here's our thoughts, here's Christ. We have to flip that. Proverbs 23, and I love this, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Your thoughts determine how your life goes. There's this scientific term, and Pastor Dustin actually talked about it a couple weeks ago, called neuroplasticity. And it's a big word for basically what that means is that our brains can rewire themselves to when we're thinking negative thoughts, it can become easier and easier to think those thoughts. A lot of people just uh, describe it like you're out in the woods and you kind of, you, you wear down a path in the woods. So like we're going over here and we're, we're trampling down this path and over time, the more we travel this path, the easier it becomes because it's trampled down. But then if we stop 
traveling down this path and start over here on this one. The old path is going to grow up, but the new path starts to become worn down, and this path is the easier one to travel. So what we have to do is we have to stop traveling the path of those lies and the negative thoughts that are in our minds, and our brains will literally rewire themselves to start thinking in a more positive direction, in a more truthful direction. And the Bible is almost like 3,000 years, 4,000 years ahead of science on this because science has just figured it out. But the Bible said it in Romans 12. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds have to be renewed. Philippians 4 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. God knew to tell us to do that because he, he knew that we wouldn't do that on our own. We have to do that and we have to practice that uh, to, 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 to in, reinforce that positive mindset that's going to help us um, get out of some of that negative thinking. And again, it's all replacing the lies that we tell ourselves with the truth of God's word. So where are you right now? I believe if some of you were to speak verbally, you might be speaking a lie. I'm always going to be depressed. I'll never feel better. There is no use in carrying on. I'd be better off dead. Nobody cares. I might as well just end it all. But maybe God would take that and say, wait just a minute. That's actually not true. And we have to challenge those thoughts. We have to question those thoughts and see if they're true or not. God would say, wait a minute, that's not the truth. There are people who love you, I love you, I've given you my Holy Spirit, and so God would, God would replace those lies with the truth for us. So Satan, the world, our own flesh, our own bodies lie to us. What we have to do is we have to replace those lies. Don't believe those lies and look in this book for the truth and let that truth get into you and over time it will get easier and easier and easier to believe the truth rather than the lies. So, to overcome depression and thoughts of suicide, we need to, number one, rest and eat. Number two, replace our lies with his truth. Number three, remember your purpose. We're going to jump ahead in verse 15. It says, Then the Lord told Elijah, Elijah, get up, go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, now remember, Elijah was a prophet. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. I'm going to try to get through all these words. Anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Moholah, to replace you as my prophet. In other words, God told Elijah, get up. You haven't been being a prophet. Get up and go back to doing what prophets do. See, anxiety and depression have this way where they turn ourselves inward. We start to think about ourselves and we get focused on ourselves. And one of the best ways to get out of that is to go serve someone else, fulfill your purpose, get outside of yourself and help somebody else and remember the purpose that God has called you to. So are you a mom? 
Go back to being the best mom that you can be. Are you a business person? Go back to being a business person who's successful and trustworthy and just an incredible person of God in the workplace. Are you a person of prayer? Go back to praying fervently and eagerly. Are you a person who serves? Go back and serve with zeal. Are you a person who gives? Go back and give generously. And so if you're struggling with these suicidal thoughts today, I believe the Spirit of God would speak to some of us today and say, there is something yet for you to do if you're still here, if you're still alive. You are not done. If you're still here, it's because God has an assignment for you and you only that nobody else in the world can fulfill. So go back to doing what God has called you to do and watch him bring these dead parts of you back to life. He will do it. He said he would do it. See, I personally believe that the Bible teaches that every single person was given a purpose by God long before they were ever born. The Bible teaches us that. Psalm 139, it says, you saw me before, this is God, uh, this is King David talking to God. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Jeremiah 1, this is God speaking to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Ephesians 2 says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God knew you before you were born. He had every single one of your days planned out ahead of time. He's given you a job to do and a purpose to live for. So if you're not dead, God is literally not done with you. You have more days that he planned out from the beginning, and you have a reason to keep on living. And the truth is, what the Bible teaches is that our bodies don't belong to us anyway. You don't belong to you. 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. See, when Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago, he paid the price of his body, and he purchased us for himself. So when we're saved, our bodies and our persons go from belonging to us to where we now belong to Jesus because he paid to rescue us from that sin. So the Bible says you don't belong to you anymore. You belong to God. So if you've been thinking these thoughts of suicide or taking your life, you need to take comfort in the fact that you are not yours anyway. You belong in the hands of a caring and loving God who loves you, who gave his son for you, who planned your days out from, ahead of, from the beginning of the world. And if you are still here, you still have that purpose to live for. If he loved you enough to send his son to bring you back to him, to purchase you for himself, take comfort in the fact that you belong to him and nothing can touch you that has not not sifted through his hands first. He will not allow things. He will not allow a weapon that's formed against you to prosper. He said, I know the plans I have for you. And you may say, well, Kyle, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't, I've never figured that out. I have no clue what I'm here for. I don't know what God has called me to do. I have good news for you. You are sitting in a church this morning literally called Purpose Church. And our mission is to connect people to Jesus and help them live on purpose. We do that a lot of different ways. The main way that we talk about it all the time is through Next. But another way that you can learn what that purpose is. And I, and I realize this is going to sound like a plug for church activities. I promise it's not. It's the thing that we're starting this week 
week, and it's called Cruise. Getting in community with other believers where we can talk through some of this stuff, we can get some of this stuff out, we can not be isolated anymore, we can uh, share some of these struggles, not in a way that's just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to vomit everything out on somebody, but in a way where we encourage each other and stir one another up, as the Bible talks about, that is one of the ways that we can discover our purpose. And that's one of the ways that we can really kind of connect with each other and get out of some of this anxiety and depression that we've been in. Now, this is a shameless plug. I'm teaching the Foundations Crew, so I would love for you to be a part of that. So that is a shameless plug, but, you know, we just kind of had to work that in there. So what if I am struggling with anxiety? What if I'm struggling with depression? What if I'm struggling with thoughts of suicide? What if I'm struggling with these, these negative thoughts? Like Elijah did, we have to rest and eat. We have to replace our lies with God's truth. And number three, we have to remember our purpose. Now, I'm going to wrap this up, but I would be totally remiss today if I didn't answer this question that everybody kind of asks when we talk about suicide. Is if a person commits suicide, do they go to heaven or do they go to hell? And just like with all the rest of this series, this what-if series, what we want to do is not look at what culture says, not look at what other people say, but look at what the Word of God says. And so let's do that right now, and we're going to answer this question. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. The grace is a gift, and the faith to believe is a gift. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Your standing with God, your relationship with God, is not determined by anything that you do or don't do when you're here on earth. Your standing with God, your relationship with God, is totally based on what Jesus did on a cross 2,000 years ago when he said, it is finished. See, Jesus offers us this eternal life, and if you've said yes to this offer at any point in your life, you're going to spend eternity with him. If you have rejected that offer, if you are rejecting that offer, you will spend eternity apart from him. That's what the Bible teaches. John 10, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So friends, no matter what sins you have committed, no matter what sins you are committing, no matter what sins you're going to commit in the future, I want to encourage you that not even the devil nor yourself can take you out of the hand of Jesus. He will not let anything come against you and he will not let anything snatch you out of his hand. But that's only if you know him. So the most important question today is not, what if I want to kill myself? Or next week, what if I'm addicted to pornography? That, that's not the most important question over the next four weeks. The most important question is, am I sure that I know Jesus? Am I sure that I have a relationship with him? And so as we wrap up today, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that question. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm actually going to give two different invitations today. The first one is for people who don't know Jesus. You may say, Kyle, I have never accepted that offer. I have rejected it. I, I know what Jesus did for me. I understand, but I have never made that decision to follow after him. And so if that's you today, I'm going to give you 
what we call the gospel. The gospel is good news. I'm going to give that to you in just a few, a very brief couple minutes. The gospel says that God, like we talked about, God created us with a purpose. He created us and he knew our days. He knew the plans that he had for us long ago. But because of our sin, our sin separates us from God. Some of that sin is things that we do. Some of that sin is just inherent in us. It's original to us. But what has to happen is if God is going to be God, he can't just say, oh, I'm just going to forget those sins because he would be breaking his character. So sin requires a payment. It requires a punishment. And so what God did is he sent his son who was perfect in order to pay for the penalty that our sins require. And he put him on a cross and he killed him 2,000 years ago for me and for you and for the entire world. So what the Bible says is that if we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that he will forgive us and he will give us eternal life. So if you've never done that today, if you've never uh, made that decision and turned away from those sins and turned toward God, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's not a prayer that you pray. It's not uh, something that you do. Again, like the Bible says, it's not by works. It is literally a decision of repenting and turning. And so uh, I'm just going to pray a little prayer, and you can say this in your own words. Again, it's not the prayer or the words that save you. It is the act of God. And so if that's you today, uh, would you just pray something like this? Father, I realize that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge my sin. I confess my sin to you. I know that you sent Jesus on the cross to pay for that sin and that he offers me eternal life. So I repent, I turn away from that sin, and I turn towards you, and I want to follow you the rest of my days, Jesus. I give you my life. I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask that you would come into my life, give me your Holy Spirit, and I want to follow after you. So if you prayed that prayer, if you said something like that, or if you made that decision today, there's a couple things that I want to ask you to do. We're not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. The first thing is I want you to get out your phone and text the word purpose to the number that's going to be up on the screen. And I give you permission to look up if you want to text that. But text that number. That just lets us know that you've made that decision. Because we want to come alongside you. We don't want to just send you out of here today and talk about all this stuff. And then we send you out of here and we never see you again. We want to come alongside you and help you, give you some resources, talk to you a little bit. Uh, We just want to, to really be able to help you grow in your faith. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do, if you made that decision, at the end of the service today, we're going to end it a little bit differently, and I'll kind of explain that in a minute. But at the end of the service today, I've got some friends of mine that are up on the wall to my right or to your left. They would love to talk with you and pray with you. And so if that's something that you decided today, if that's something that you did today, we would love to know that and come talk to to my friends on the prayer team. Uh, They would love the opportunity to get to pray with you. And then a second invitation. You may be here today, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than just connect with you and God. Draw a circle around yourself right here in this moment. This is totally between you and God. You may say, I have struggled with anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide. And and maybe even this morning I woke up and I had no intentions of coming to a church, but something inside of me said I need to come to Purpose Church today. So I came. And I struggle with this, and I need help. And so I want to pray a special 
a prayer and a blessing for everybody who that is their story today. So God, I, I lift up my friends to you. I lift up the burdens that we carry that we don't often talk about. I lift up to you our anxieties and we cast those on you. Father, teach us how to handle this stuff better. Father, as a church, may we come alongside each other and not shame and not shun and not guilt each other for things that we feel and and thoughts that we think. But may we, uh, just like the Bible says, maybe challenge each other as iron sharpens iron. May we sharpen each other. And God, I pray that you would do a work in every single person's life today who is struggling with these issues. So I've prayed that prayer for you. I want you to do something. If that is you, if you struggle with those issues, I want want you to do something as well. At the end of our service, I'm going to ask, actually, everybody who is leading a crew this season, because we believe crews are so, so important. They're going to be up up at the front of the room, uh, at the stage and at the wall uh, to my left, to your right. And again, we're not going to single you out, but if you want prayer, if you want to talk to somebody about that today, they're ready to talk to you. They're ready to pray for you, to pray with you, to just come alongside you in agreement. So we don't, we don't want you to just leave out of here today uh, with all of the knowledge, but not any kind of application. So we want you to take advantage of that, that opportunity. So please make that they've made themselves available. If you would like to speak to somebody, we're going to be up here. And, and there's no time limit. The auditorium is going to be basically open, um, and the altar is going to be open, and we just want to have a time where we allow you uh, to just deal with some of these issues with someone else if you want that. So church, if you don't mind, go ahead and stand up. Let's give Jesus five seconds of praise for everything he's done today. Even things that we don't see, God is working in the spiritual realms doing things that are that are out of sight out of mind but we know that he's working so today just to kind of wrap up this service just a couple little reminders again if those are issues that you struggle with we want to help we want to pray with you we want to make ourselves available because that's what the bible calls us to do the worst thing that we can do is go out of here and just continue the isolation and the, the negative thought patterns that we think with ourselves so come come up talk to us we'll be glad to talk with you and we'll be glad to pray with you do not forget to invite somebody this month of September. It's going to be literally, and Pastor Dustin is going to be back next week, so you don't have to deal with me anymore after this week. Uh, so he's coming back next week, and I, I've already seen actually his outlines for the next three weeks. It is going to be some incredibly uh, power-packed messages straight from what the Word of God teaches. Again, not what culture tells us, not what we think, not what social media tells us, not what Fox and CNN and, and MSNBC say, but literally what the Word of God says. So you do not want to miss that. And also, please bring somebody, friends, family, co-workers, bring them with you this month. They have brand new chairs to sit in, and there's more of them than we had out before. So there will be a seat for everybody. Also, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, crew launch party. Like I said earlier, one of the best ways to deal with some of those thoughts of anxiety, thoughts of depression, thoughts of suicide, is to get that out and speak that to somebody. So crews start this next season, September, October, November. That all starts this coming Wednesday night. You may, just like I talked about in that message, you may have had thoughts, I'm alone, I don't have anybody, I don't have any friends, there's nobody that wants to be around me. That is a lie because this Wednesday night, there are people who are here who want to be your friend, who do not want you to be alone, who do not want you to go through life alone. And literally all you have to do is show up Wednesday night at six o'clock. We'll we'll give you all the information. We'll tell you what to do. Please choose to grow in that way. 
So Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, invite somebody the month of September. Don't forget these invite cards on your way out. I'm going to pray. As soon as I finish, as soon as I wrap up and say amen, you can go ahead and be dismissed. But if you, like I said, if you want to, to pray with some of us, if you want to deal with some of those issues today, we want to make that opportunity available for you. We're going to play kind of a softer song. And like I said, this auditorium, we're not going to shut this place down until we deal with what God's got uh, for us to deal with today. So this auditorium is open. And so let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just the time that you've given us here today. I thank you for my friends and each family and each household that's represented here today. I thank you for bringing us here. And I believe that you brought people here today, whether they knew they needed to hear this or not, that if they're under the sound of my voice, I believe that providentially you brought people here this morning for the word that you had for them. So, Father, as we go our separate ways, I pray that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine on us, that you would be gracious to us. Father, as we go our separate ways today, may we have interactions with people all throughout the week where we show the love of your son, Jesus, to a lost and a dying world. And Jesus, we do all of this. We say all of this. We speak all of this to lift up your name. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. We'll see you guys either next Wednesday or next Sunday. See you. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.